Dead, a podcast about a story of survival. Hello and welcome to episode number 45 of We're Not Dead, the official community podcast of We're Alive. I am your host this week, Nick Voodoo, because Brittany Brubbucker last week was at PAX, and this week... She is recovering from PAX, so she won't be joining us. However, I am joined again by Forum... You're not an admin, you're a moderator. Forum moderator, comrade Narf. Hello, whippersnappers! Ooh, you got older since we spoke last. Yes, I was I was kind of hoping I, I was getting a field promotion there with the admin comments. Uh, uh, no such luck. No, you are no, you're not Michael, you're still Puck, you're still a corporal. Count your stripes and be happy with what you have. I um, guess as long as I'm not Private Sims, I'm okay. Well, Private Sims was not bad. I mean, you, it, you know what? You could be worse. I could feel promote you to captain, and you could have a broken-ass back. That is true. That is an excellent point. Very, very. So I guess we started the recap um, yeah. early <laughs> this go-around. Um, so, yeah, here's my huge heaping bowl of crow. Oh, we're never going to go to Fort Irwin. Why would we go to Fort Irwin? We have so much to talk about at the colony. Uh, um, um, crow, you taste so... Um, oop, mm, mm, crow's feet? Nope. Yeah, so I was wrong. Very, very, very wrong. Um, and a lot of foreign people were right. They thought we were going to Fort Irwin because we were stuck in the middle of this conflict. And, you know... Uh, Leto is convinced that he heard uh, uh, Saul get shot and all this other stuff, and now we don't get to know, because that's just how Casey does. Yep, pretty much. Yeah. All right, so uh, let's get into the recap. So, the Cody is introduced. It stands for Killing Ordnance Deployment Initiative, and it's pretty badass. It carries a sweat bottle, has a speaker, and everyone's favorite, high explosives. So, they put it into action, it breaks the sweat bottle, it screams, help, help, I got my leg, help me, help me, help me. And then the zombies come, and they get blowed up. Michael surveys the damage left behind with Puck and a bunch of GI schmoes who don't know what the fuck they're doing. Michael explains they've nearly cleared out the town of Yermo. Puck laments how dumb the recruits are and won't watch uh, their section. Michael checks the zo- a zombie's ID. <clears throat> sure, he does. Sims comes over to show Michael that the vehicle they, uh, they're in took some damage. Uh, they watch some playback of the Cody attack, trying to figure out what attracted the zombies more. Speakers or sweat? Puck now, and Mike- I, I have a question on that. Yes. The first time I listened to it, I thought it was the vehicle that was hit as well. The second time I listened to it, I thought it was actually Cody itself, the fact they went through and replayed the sound file. You know what I'm almost thinking is that it was the spot that, and again, I'm not really sure this was a little bit confusing to me, and obviously it was confusing to you as well, so maybe it was confusing to others. I'm not sure what the answer is, but I think that it might have been um, the vehicle they had the recording device in may have been what was hit. I don't know if it was Cody specifically, because you'd have to figure... I mean, maybe Cody... Maybe I'm just not understanding how Cody works. 
but I thought that Cody was the actual thing that was that had like the explosive charge and it maybe it was the dummy that had I don't know. I'm not sure. But if that was the case then Cody if if it's the dummy that has the charge then Cody was too close and got hit. So maybe that's yeah. what they were talking about. And that actually mm. makes a lot more sense. That actually makes a whole lot more sense. <laughs> Hmm, I have convinced myself of this logic now. Cody is what was hit by the high explosive inside of the dummy. So there we go. Um, let's see. Puck and Michael leave. Michael narrates a journal entry describing how Cody, uh, uh, how Cody came to be. Um, scene picks up back in the mess hall where Puck is excited about the food, which was uh, mac and cheese and little crumbly bread crumbs on top. They talk about the Captain, Captain Long's mission and how they should be back tonight. <clears throat> Puck asks Michael if he's checked in with his friends in Boulder. Michael says he tried once with no reply. Puck mildly convinces him to attempt a sat phone call later that night. You know, I'm, I'm actually really starting to like Puck. I don't want to say completely that I like Puck, because first I liked Angel, and Casey killed Angel. Yes. And I started really liking Bricks. And now Bricks is dead, so I'm a little uh, emotionally terrified to like anybody in the show anymore. But uh, so, I I was afraid Puck would be just too much by the book and be kind of an annoyance, but he's starting to grow on me. You know, I, I have to say that I'm a, a little impartial because I met the true-to-life inspiration for Puck. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's a really, really cool guy, and he's really funny, and I can see where Casey gets a lot of Puck's personality from yeah. this guy. He's really, really awesome. We met him at the um, the New York City uh, live uh, event at the Dave & Buster's, and really, really nice. cool. So I see lots of his personalities just showing out in Puck, and that's really cool. Um, and Puck is getting, by far, the best lines now. Oh, yeah. he so. He's the victor over Irwin. He gets all the really cool lines. <laughs> Um, but yeah, uh, you apparently are just the curse to all characters. If, yeah. Okay. So here's the deal. Our next contest is going to be who can bribe Narf to like this character the most. So that way Casey will kill him. <laughs> uh, all bribes will be accepted through PayPal. Yes. And, um, yeah. And we'll have uh, an award winner, uh, next week. No, we won't. Okay. So, uh, Riley's been promoted to chef at Irwin, uh, but Puck des- and Puck describes her as a shit sh- soldier. Riley comes in wondering if Cody worked, and she's thrilled to hear that it, it did because it was par- partially her idea as, insp- as inspired by Bert. Riley reveals she's on medication and that they are helping, which is something I think that a lot of people ended up glossing over uh, in the conversations. Um, Riley asks Michael if he asked Kimmet to consider her field position, and he says Kimmet denied the request. She gets pissed and starts yelling. Some dork <clears throat> named um, Nobody, but sounds distinctly like uh, Mr. Casey Whalen, tells Riley they need to clean up. Riley leaves. Uh, yes, great one with the uh, LeFevre. Le- <laughs> Can you do me a LeFevre? That's awesome. LeFevre! Riley leaves, and Puck and Michael talk about how Riley is a liability to Michael and his uh, existence on Irwin. Uh, Michael leaves to visit Tanya before going back on duty. Tanya is still in her bubble room, and she has been since they arrived. She's been given more amenities like furniture, a nice bed, books, TV, couches, and chairs. Michael's gotten her assigned under him as she is the one who analyzes all the data collected on all the missions, and she's very good at it. Though she's proven useful, but she's going very, very stir-crazy. 
Tanya's rearranged her furniture again. It only took her an hour. Uh, Tanya has on her hand, in her hand, excuse me, uh, another release denial from Kimmet. Michael gives her, through a transfer box, part of a toe with the bone collected, skin and hair, which is what he was actually doing when he was checking the idea ID of the uh, dead zombie. He wants her to find proof that she's not turning. Michael chides her for trying to analyze the samples now, and she and says to wait until the lights are out. Michael gives her the video of Cody, and she starts to watch that to analyze it as is her job. Tanya feels she's getting closer to piecing together why Ellie is different, but the missing pe- there are missing pieces, and she can't quite connect them all. Uh, she's unsure if any of the information she's getting now uh, from the Irwin missions are of any real importance. Michael agrees and leaves her as she watches the video. Well, now, one important thing, too, that she brings up is... I, I felt maybe she was hinting because she, she goes into that spiel about how uh, there was so much useful data they were collecting at the tower, and this just seems to be so random. Right. It's... And I was wondering if that was kind of uh, inferring the fact that the zombies in L.A. were led by the one in the pinstripe suit. There was kind of a hierarchy there. They were taking orders where I'm wondering... If these other zombies, since they're far away from the epicenter, they're just kind of milling about, and that's why the data now seems so random. Right, and that's sort of the idea that uh, even Victor hints at, you know, down south at the colony. The zombies, you know, I have never seen this air quotes next level shit that you guys have up here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, the, you have your, they have the waves of zombies that come, so they have like the hordes of zombies that come and attack. But they don't have big ones. They don't have jumpers. They don't have runners. They don't have super smart ones that are able to control the masses and talk and, you know, fuck people up from the inside of their own uh, safe houses and things like that. You know, and I feel feel like the further away you get from an epicenter, so, like, the further you get away from the Ring of Fire and out of, like, Japan and Hawaii and all the other places, uh, the dumber they get. And it seems like, you know, they just do what they feel like and it's random and random encounters and no real structure to it. It's just zombie or something like that. So yeah, I I did get that impression that she, she's realized that what she's doing is basically spinning her tires in this little plastic room of hers. All right. Michael joins up with Puck, who is listening to the Chinook's radio call describing the events of the LA attack, which we have already heard. Michael is trying to get the weed ready, but Kimmet says they are going to go to Boulder. No one at Irwin can handle Captain's Long, Captain Long's injury. Long is revealed to be Kimmet's niece, and Michael also reveals that Kimmet has been drinking. Michael asks if they found anything of the tower, but is told uh, there was only rubble. The team did say they have a, the map and will send the info when they reach Boulder. The mission was revealed to be about ground wells in L.A., as well as access to the port uh, in case Kimmet wants to use it. They figure it will take a few hours to get to Boulder, and they will settle in as as Kimmet leaves for the night. Michael says the Boulder crew should be prepared for a rider along the side of the... or on the rails of the helicopter, just in case. A few hours later, Michael is playing a game and sucks at it, and Puck is trying origami and sucks at that, too. Which, by the way, was the funniest fucking line. Does this look like a duck? by far. I mean... Puck did have some other great ones, like the uh, Out Falcon standing. I did enjoy that. But, uh, yeah, I think, you know, where they're looking for new T-shirt lines for We're Alive, there may need to be a fucking origami T-shirt. Yep, the front's got to be just a picture of a paper airplane. Does this look like a duck? Back has got to say, fucking origami. Or 
maybe Falcon Origami because you want to have kids that can wear it to school. That's um, true. Because that's how you indoctrinate children. <laughs> and that's all we're about. Um, they realize that Chinook should be within com range of, um, within Boulder, and they have not checked in. They call Carl, and he says they have no word. They figure that the Chinook is in terrible, terrible trouble, and something must have gone wrong. Blackout. Bum, bum, bum. Bum, 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 bum. So, um, what did you think of the episode? Uh, all in all, I mean, there's not a ton of action here, considering we just came from the colony, where all hell has broken loose. There's civil war. Um, there's really... I, th- I feel like there's a lot of good building in here. And I'm trying to figure out now which way we're going. We're getting close to the end of the season. Yes. we got to figure out, I mean, season one and season two both had their finales at the tower. The tower's out of the out of the equation now, so you can't have one there. Mm-hmm. So is it going to be at Fort Irwin, at the Colony, or at Boulder? It, you, right now, it could be, the only one I would say that is least likely is Boulder, simply because we haven't been there, and we don't have a voice there, really. Because again, the the story is told through journal entries. We know what's happening at the colony because Saul restarted his journal. We know what's happening at Irwin because Michael has his journals that Tanya is sifting through. Um, so you know those two locations seem like the most likely places. The only other way you can consider getting into Boulder is that someone writes a journal and it's relayed through Carl to get back to Fort Irwin so that we know about it. Because you know otherwise, how else do we know what's going on in Boulder really? Um, so that would be, Boulder would be my most unlikely, and I really feel, it's, it's so hard, because, you know, I thought that we were going to finish up our storyline, it, it's probably going to have to go both, you're going to have to have the finale covering both things, I don't know how you bridge that gap, because there's no intertwining thread right now, you know what I mean? Yeah. There's nothing to connect the two locations at this moment, other than the fact that they have a history with each other and they want to know where each other... Like, Scratch definitely wants to know where where Michael and crew went. Um, but there's nothing really connecting them right now because she doesn't know where they are. So unless she captures Saul to torture him because he's got Lizzie and, you know, threatens Lizzie in the baby's life or something like that, or I don't know how they get that information. I think maybe I, I think I'm gonna go out on a limb here. Okay, and I like it. Maybe uh, set a, a nice dish of crow in the oven for me for the future. I'm actually leaning towards Boulder as being the season finale. Okay, I'm thinking um, probably Michael and Puck wind up going to investigate what happened to the Chinook. We've already got Carl there in. Uh, in Boulder. Mm-hmm. So I'm leaning towards them ending up in Boulder and that's where the finale takes place. So what do you see if that is what the finale is going to be? What's the finale? Is it um, a little one has hitched a ride and is wreaking havoc? Is it... Um, um, what, what, do you see, it what, do you, what do you see and, as and the climax? I am never going to try and compare myself to Casey's riding abilities. But if it were me, I would probably, because you have, you know, Boulder's been built up as this big safe zone. It's where everybody can go to be safe. It's kind of the the bastion of civilization in in the Midwest and and quite possibly the the United States as we know it. Um, So I would almost uh, think like a, a big attack 
on, on Boulder. The only thing that does make me hesitant to commit to that is they are they are foreshadowing the winter coming in. They're talking about how cold it's getting. Yeah. And, you know, obviously Boulder, you're going up high in the mountains and you're it it's even colder up there. It's harder to, you know, live. And I don't know, maybe it's just like a mini outbreak all over again where you have one zombie that turns another one and turns another one and just spreads exponentially throughout all of Boulder. Yeah. And maybe that's how it happens, but I don't know. I mean, that's a very it's a very interesting thought to think that Boulder is how we end it. I just, you know, I I, I just don't know because he Kimmy doesn't seem to want to let Michael go far. Yeah, he wants to keep him close. Now, of course, his niece may be clouding his judgment to the point that he'll make him go. The the fact that um, he sent her to Boulder, uh, he sent the Chinook to Boulder for the sake of his niece. I think, yeah, yeah, it's safe to say his judgment is clouded. And if Michael winds up going to investigate, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Riley sneaks along. Oh, yeah, definitely. She's going to have to find a way because she, again, she fits into my grand scheme of things very well, so she needs to get out of the kitchen um, and into my car. Um, now, something about the... the, the the helicopter not coming to uh, Irwin first. Cabbage Patch wrote on the forum, Colonel Kimmich's decision to divert the Chinook to Bowler is a pretty serious violation of normal medevac procedures. The rule is to get the casualties to the nearest adequate care facility and to get them there within an hour of being wounded. Better to bring the casualty to a forward medical facility, a.k.a. Fort Irwin, in order to stabilize them, then send them forward in advance to the advanced medical facilities in Boulder. In theory, they could have brought the injured captain, Fort, captain to Fort Irwin, stabilized her, got her on a fixed-wing plane, and still have gotten her in less time it would have taken the Chinook to fly directly to Boulder. So... You know, this is straight from the mouth of military, um, as Cabbage Patch is former military. So, you know, that's letting us know that Kimmet, by the books, Kimmet is not following the book. And no one's really calling him on it. So that's also very interesting, is that no one said anything about it. Yeah. Uh, and I'm also wondering, too, uh, for the argument of a finale being at uh, Fort Irwin, they did foreshadow, a possible foreshadow, that there are two more Cody's that they're getting ready yes. at Fort Irwin. Yeah, and, you know, if the Cody's seem much more offensive of a weapon, like ambushy weapons, it doesn't seem, a Cody doesn't seem like it would be a very good I'm under attack weapon. Yeah. You know what I mean? So if they are, this is something that they do. You know, like Michael was saying, they're they're clearing out Yermo. You know, it's something they do to clear clear out spaces. It's something they do. Um, I mean, I suppose you could technically just throw it out there and hope they tear it apart and blow them up. Um, but it's not exactly a weapon to be used like that. It's something that you use tactically and not so much. Ah, ah get it out there! Get it out there! We're getting killed. Good point. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, like I mentioned in the recap, uh. Riley's on medication, presumably for her alcoholism, which is also presumably why she got, air quotes, promoted into the kitchen, which was to get a gun out of her hand, Yeah, which is not what she wanted. She definitely wants to be out there. But, you know, even Puck, who is not... 
not kind to the new children. It's yes. probably a simple way to put it. Um, he, he, he doesn't like the new recruits at all, and Riley is among them. He doesn't like the way that Riley handles herself. So she's she's had the experience. She's gone through basic. She has been on a mission at some point because Puck has said, I don't trust her to watch my back. He had to have seen her in some capacity out in the field, I would think. Um, and, you know, she's basically been demoted back to what she was doing before, sitting yeah. in the kitchen cooking for everyone and, you know, trying to be a team player about it, but not happy at all. Yeah. So... Her not being happy probably is not a good thing because it could very well lead to a relapse, which yeah. I certainly and, hope uh, doesn't if, happen. Uh, Kimmet's got a liquor stash somewhere that he's tapping into. She may find that as well. Yeah, you never know. I mean, for all you know, that's the, they have a pal. I mean, they, they went to Colorado. You know, this is the real Rocky Mountain High. There's beer up there, man. <laughs> yeah, they could have pallets of beer that just get flown in to make everyone's life happier that they buy on their credits that they get because, you know, who doesn't like to get a buzz on every once in a while? Hey, that's how they did it in the old Navy days. You got your uh, your food and your ration of rum, so. Absolutely. Yo-ho-ho, bottle of rum. Um, and again, you know what? The, there's really not much to talk about with this episode. It's really, really straightforward. It's A to B to C to D. Um, I mean, we can talk about how, I guess, you know, Tanya's blood has shown no sign of really anything happening with it, and she still hasn't turned, so it's safe to assume that at this point she probably won't. Well, and they did mention, too, because before um, Michael mentioned that she was testing unturned samples, correct? Correct. Okay, so now she's got actual zombie samples. And, uh, and my concern is, because Michael makes a, uh, makes a few comments about how uh, you know, you can see the stress is really getting to her and that he's afraid that she may crack ultimately. So my concern is if she ultimately finds something with those samples that kind of proves that she's not uh, infected. First off, Kimmet's going to be pissed at Michael for sneaking them in. Yes. And then secondly, uh, I don't think Kimmel or Kimmet will acknowledge them and probably will not uh, allow her to be released still. Maybe and maybe not. The only thing I can think is that if it benefits Captain Long, yes, he will be very inclined to listen and maybe give a pass. Because if Cap if uh, his niece is becoming a slow turner and she has ways to prevent that, I think he's going to be very, very interested. He may, still may not let her go, but he may take the research and try and make someone else do it. And then it turns out that her cocktail of whatever is not really the problem, or not really the solution. It's actually, you know, her own bloodline, which is another story altogether. You know, the the family, the Saul family immune line. That that is clever. Yeah, I, I hadn't considered that option that Kimmet would use uh, uh, Tanya for that if Captain Long is I mean, a slow turn. That's that's good. I mean, I can I can see how that can fall into place, but this all obviously depends on whether or not the Chinook is healthy, wealthy, and wise and alive. Because if it's crashed somewhere in, like, I don't know, Arizona or something, uh, and they got off course, because, you know, that seems to be what has happened. They, if they were flying in their direct line, they should have been in comrade by now, but everyone has lost track of them. So, you know, who knows where the thing is? There, There's no radar to go find it. 
really, I don't think. So how how do you find a helicopter in the United States if you don't know where it went? Yeah. It, it, it's a pretty big place uh, that's last one, time I, I think they've got to bring that up because it seems like they're they're really putting a lot of stake into that map. So I, I'm expecting a mission to retrieve the map regardless of where the Chinook wound up. Yeah, maybe. I, that seems like such extra effort when you can just make someone go out and do it again. You know what I mean? True. Like, you have you have expendable stupid soldiers. Well, I guess you didn't want the stupid soldiers to go. Um, you have soldiers that can probably go out and do this again. And if you, re- I mean, obviously, you have potentially the most irrational person in the world commanding this thing now because of his niece. Mm-hmm. So nothing's really off the table. There could be a rescue mission for the map. There could be a rescue mission for um, the captain. There could be any number of things. You know, go out on foot, get a dog sled team, and I don't know, yell mush um, to go find her. So, uh, Kimmet losing his mind slightly leads to lots of possibilities for weird things to happen that we are not expecting at all. Definitely. And I want to say that as far as the uh, dog sled team, uh, I really want to see Datu leading one of those. Mush! Uh, how, well, how do you say mush in Filipino? Uh, Couldn't tell you. Yeah, neither could I. Um, uh, it would be hilarious. That is all I know. Uh, yeah. Uh, another post from the forum um, from Awkward Alex trying to figure out um, whether or not Saul is alive. Uh, my thought is that Saul wasn't writing until X happened, so it's possible that he's dying as he wrote it, but my gut feeling is that Saul didn't uh, like the journals to begin with, so something is making him write it down. But as I said before, uh, he could be dead. And that's the idea that um, Saul gets a whole, gets back to Michael, and Michael is making him write down the idea, write down his journal uh, while he's at Irwin. But how do we get to Irwin? I don't know. So, you know, it's it's really hard to to analyze something that is really this straightforward. Mm-hmm. Like there's there's not too many theories to get into. There, there's really not uh, a lot of guesses to get into, except for what happened to the helicopter. I mean, we could guess what happened at the colony now, but we kind of did that last time. Like, what happens at the colony? Uh, oh. There's there's chaos, and that's about all we know right now. Yeah. Uh, who do you think is going to win? Do you think it's going to be Scratch and Maulers, or do you think it's going to be Gatekeeper, or does CJ get in charge? And, how you know, how does that all work out? What do you think? Ooh, that's, that's a tough one, because we've still got Bert still in the picture, so yep. I would assume there would be some sort of rescue attempt on him. Uh, but as for... You know, I, I'm I'm wondering if maybe the gatekeeper winds up kind of dying a noble death and redeeming himself. I, I think you touched on this prior about uh, uh, the characters like that that kind of realize that they haven't been as good as they thought, kind of having that opportunity to redeem. So yeah, yeah. My my one thought about gatekeeper is that gatekeeper knows what he did, and we've been trying to figure out. Since, you know, Saul and Victor put everyone in line at um, Dunbar, don't talk about Sean. Sean was killed by the Maulers. That is all you need to know. Mm-hmm. The end. Gatekeeper and Bixby know what they did, and they know what they did to Sean. My, own, my, my, my concern would be that Gatekeeper and Bixby ruin 
his little surprise and let CJ know what mm, happened. Yeah. So if somehow Gatekeeper survives and drives the Maulers off and scratches, scratch goes away or, you know, whatever the case may be. And the co- that leads a lot more likely to that conversation coming up and leading to a very, very interesting conflict between CJ and everyone, everyone else. And uh, two with Gatekeeper, he never hit me before as, as being kind of, yeah, he could possibly be kind of down in the dumps. He's lost everything. He's clearly had his ass kicked on uh, probably more than one occasion. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I wouldn't put it past Gatekeeper to kind of be playing everybody. Playing everybody in terms of? Uh, he, he's probably smart enough to figure out that if Victor's back, he's got somebody with them and that could be all the tide they need to, to turn the tables against the Maulers mm. and Gatekeeper can reestablish himself. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think that would be the idea is that Gatekeeper would want to take control unless he happens to die in, in the fray. Um, yeah. but you know, again, he sounded so defeated and, that adrenaline rush is going to wear off eventually. So I don't know that he can make it through this. But, who, I mean, again, it's it's so up in the air down there, and it's so up in the air at Irwin, it's hard to say where mm. the story goes from here. Um, but there's something else colony-related that was released on Facebook, and I don't know if everyone saw this yet. If you haven't seen it, facebook.com, find We're Alive, and there's a picture, and there's a picture of Scott Marvin as Bert with his he he's looking towards the camera and behind him is Scratch with a big old fucking gun pointing and at his head. Big old fucking grin. And a big old fucking grin and a big old fucking scar right across her nose. Um it is actually Scott Marvin. It is actually Jenna McCombie. It is a publicity photo shoot and it looks awesome. If you haven't seen it, go check it out. It's also on the We're Not Dead page. We posted it there as well. Um, I will tweet a link out to it probably tomorrow so everyone can find it easier. Um, check that out. It's really cool. It is not indicative yes. of anything, but it's really cool to see these actors in their roles as the characters just being badass. It's really cool. So check that out. Go to Facebook.com. Find We're Alive. Um, and, man, I, this is this is looking like it's a quickie. It's a it's a well, win. We managed what about twenty five minutes or so. So so that's not bad. I'm not going to complain for that. Yeah, I, I was the episode this week longer than this. Um, <laughs> no, I think the oh, I think the episode this week was what twenty two minutes. Yeah, I think it might have been. I and that was without ads, which was, you know, that was kind of nice to not have an ad this time. To not have yeah. it was like oh, that's a minute and thirty. I got to take off of one end. Crap. <laughs> Oh, yeah, so you know, maybe 25 minutes. This is a wham-bam-thank-you-ma'am edition of We're Not Dead. Um, So, Narf, where can people find you on the wide world webs of fun? Uh, the best place to reach me is on the Twitterverse at Comrade Narf. Very cool. Again, you can always reach uh, myself and Britt at WND Podcast. Uh, on Twitter, you can always email us at we're not dead podcast at gmail.com. Uh, I will answer those. If you want to get yourself in to guest host, we're going to re-kick start that program. Get your entries in now. Old entries. I'm sorry. They they are old. 
I'm going to start anew. So if you want to get in for a future podcast as a guest host, please start sending your requests in now. We'll start putting you in an order, and we'll start contacting you as uh, we get this figured out and straightened out. So, again, email address, we're not dead podcast at gmail.com. You can find us on the Facebooks. Look for We're Not Dead. Also look for We're Alive, obviously. Uh, and the podcast forum, zombiepodcast.com slash forum. And uh, join up. Talk. We're always on. Give us a shout. We might talk back to you. We might yell at you. We might rip down your theory. We might like your theory. Just come to the forum. Check it out. Um, we should be back next week with another episode. Hopefully Britt will be here as well so that, uh, you know, people that have turned this podcast off once they realize that she wasn't on. Um, you'll get to hear her next time, hopefully. Uh, for those that stuck with it, thanks for listening. For Comrade Narf, for Bees, if he interjected himself anywhere in this podcast. Nope. And for me, we're out. Nope.